Hello friends and welcome to Monday's edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. Ah, boys, it's good to be back. I am Mark Heath. I'm your host of the Watson and Warren show. Uh, and of course, the two men key to that show are Watson and Warren. I'm going to start with Stuart Watson, the Dr. Stuart Watson. How are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. I thought you'd be bringing some more energy to your intro today. After your, your week off, you'd be like a coiled spring. <laughs> you all right? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not too bad, mate. I'm it's obviously fantastic to be back with you. Um, it's a slightly frustrating time to be on loan at Furlough FC last week, given everything that happened. Um, but yeah, exciting times. Are you excited, Andy Warren? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. You, you've revealed your new coffee machine to us. Which uh, is that inspired by Paul Cook's love of hot drinks? Are you just uh, are you on the Paul Cook hot drink? I was going to say gravy train, but um, Bovril. don't drink. Yeah, the Bovril train. He could have a Bovril in there, couldn't he? It could do. I mean, Stu. I mean, obviously, you you tackled him today. That's the question that people want to ask, and you're the person to ask it. Um, but he, he kind of weaselled out of it, Stu. You didn't pin him down. I've got to say, he didn't get a straight answer poor on my behalf wasn't it um yeah, yeah needed to, needed to get there with the the, the quick follow-up questions um no that was that was a, just a bit of light-hearted uh ice breaking there going on with mr cook he's uh he's been excellent value so far for us long may that continue yeah i mean with not being around last week i still Stayed in touch by listening to the your podcast you did last Thursday, I think it was, and also the the um, the first cook presser. It was an absolute joy, boys. I've got to say how <laughs> how uplifting it was to listen to a press conference like that. Clearly, a man with a lot of passion um, and enthusiasm for the game compared to you know the kind of latter days of, of Lambert and all that came along with that. It must be it must have lifted you somewhat, boys, to to have this happen and now have a new man in at the helm that's so bloody enthusiastic and such apparently a nice bloke and a scouser everybody needed it i think didn't they he's yeah. just excited to be here he's a, i'd go out and this is probably the biggest club he's ever managed um he's excited to be here he can't wait to get started and um that comes across both in his voice and his lack of it because he is on his last legs with his voice at all times it seems after training sessions after matches He's draining away what what's left of his vocal cords because he's he's that loud, and I can imagine he's like that in training as well. If if the games are anything to go by, he's got yeah. a bit Sean Dyche, isn't he? Yeah, or like Alan Partridge with the guy that's got that. <laughs> you need one of those a vocal cord, stim, one of those electric stimulators for the vocal vocal cords. We'll get a him one classic, of them. A classic episode. That's a Sunday bloody Sunday episode, isn't it? I think. Uh, <laughs> brilliant, um, boys. Obviously, very exciting that, that Cook is in charge. Um, bringing his, his coffee and tea with him, whatever he's doing, and and all his enthusiasm. But obviously a difficult conversation. Performance on the pitch, not really working, is it? Uh, they lost 3-1 at the weekend. So for all his good words, his record's terrible. Um, Stewie, what did you make of the, the 3-1 defeat at Gillingham? Inevitable end to what's been a very exciting time? Unacceptable. Had yeah. To it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, it was an anti-climax, no doubt about it. Um, if we're looking for excuses... There's, a bit, there's been a lot going on, on and off the pitch um, for the players. Maybe mentally, physically, they hit a bit of a brick wall with it. They, they'd had a, a long trip up to Accrington, would have got back in the early hours of, of Wednesday morning. That had been a physical battle. And if I'm honest, if the red card hadn't have happened in that game, then the outcome might have been the same as it was at, at Priestfield. Um, they rode their luck a little bit in that one. Um, 
Paul Cook himself has admitted that they'd kind of hiccuped their way to a, a couple of results leading up to Saturday. So um, I don't think what happened will have been a huge surprise to him. I, I think he's he strikes me as a man who knows that there's going to be some big changes um, ahead. And at the moment, he's diplomatically kind of treading his way through things. But um, it wasn't a good performance there. Gillingham were just more up for it, physical, direct, and Ipswich didn't handle it. They were lightweight. Um, yes, they got an equaliser in the second half, but um, they didn't deserve anything from that game and, and they didn't get anything. Mm. Where did it go wrong for you, Hotchie? Was it just an inevitable crash after all, the, all that's been happening and a, an unchanged side again, apart from obviously um, Judge not being around? But what do you, what do you reckon? Yeah, potentially. Um, I think Gillingham are a unique challenge in this in this league in terms of the way that they approach approach the game. Um, long, they're, they're long, they're direct, they're physical. Uh, they get the ball in the box at every opportunity. Um, and it's just, they kind of it's strange, really. They kind of dealt with it well enough, but then have been ground down by it, I think. And, and the energy just wasn't there. It was the energy that was the, the trouble for me. Um, and, and that probably is down to everything that's everything that's gone on over a long week and, and Saturday, Tuesday schedule with same lineup game to game. But I, I don't think it's a desperately bad thing. I think Paul Cook will have learned a lot from that, from that game. Um, there's a suggestion maybe that he was kind of sticking with with the same lineup kind of going forward because of what had happened before and on some hiccuping through those results like he suggested but I think in the long term he's probably learned a lot more from this game in defeat than he would have done had they got a draw or a victory in it. Hmm. Fair to say that Town could have done better with all three goals, Stewie. I know uh, a couple. Uh, certainly, the last one was a good goal, but it was preceded by um, some poor play from Town. Yeah, yeah. As Andy said, as even though they didn't really ever get going in this game, the goals they conceded were were all of their own doing. Really, the first goal is a mismatch for a header out wide. Um, Jackson gets above Harrop in in the air. Then Dazel with a a clumsy foul in a dangerous area. And that's something Ipswich have got to be better at. That's been a theme of the season so far. Cross comes into the box. Toto can't get a clear header on it. Really poor marking for um, for their player to, to score from, from close in. So that was a poor one. Then the last two goals, it starts on both occasions with Freddie Sears fresh off the bench, giving the ball away with both times a sort of undercooked, slightly blind backwards pass. Um, that said, he's not the only one who was giving the ball away in, in that game. It just so happened that on the two times he did it, the ball ended up in the back of the net. And then comes some good Gillingham play. The first goal, Graham and uh, Dempsey exchanged really slick passes, good cross, good finish. Could Toto have done more to, to cut it out at the near post? He kind of lost his footing a little bit, possibly. Um and then the third goal, what happened with the third goal? Yeah, then there was a bit of a sort of a catalogue of errors for the third one, really. Again, ball given away. Holy comes out of his box, gives it straight to Akinde. Akinde kind of fluffs the lob straight back to Holy's feet. And that's where Thomas Holy needs to just put his foot through it and clear it. Instead, he tries to kind of play out of the back, Ipswich lose the ball. And it's a really good finish from Oliver. So 
good goals from Gillingham's point of view, but yes, very, very preventable from, from Ipswich's. And, and maybe part of that is, is down to them trying to take on board some new instructions from a new manager in, in a very short time frame in what was a very difficult game against difficult opposition. Mm. I was going to ask you, actually, Hutchie, in amongst all the kerfuffle of Paul Cook taking over and everything else has been going on, did you see anything um, that suggests that Cook is trying to bring new things to the side on Saturday? Did you see anything that Town were doing differently, perhaps? Or uh, I've heard what he wants, um, yeah. rather, rather than actually necessarily seeing it. I think I think he's made it clear what he wants and he's vocalised that both at Accrington and at Gillingham. He, he wants fullbacks to be more dynamic. He wants them getting up and down. He wants the defensive line up higher. He wants his midfield to be more aggressive and show for the ball. I think there were a few times where he was shouting, particularly at the midfielders, to Dazelle, Bishop, Josh Harrop, can't see you, can't see you. He needs them to be available. He wants partnerships all over the pitch. He wants, he's going to demand hard, hard work from the front men. Um, so I think Paul Cook's made it clear what he wants and you could hear it in an empty stadium, but I'm, I'm not sure. And the result proves that n- not enough of it necessarily made it onto the pitch. That That's where the work's going to come. Mm. It's less direct, wasn't it? I mean, it, obviously, the some of the success behind the recent wins was that Ipswich stopped fannying about with the ball at the back and we got the ball through the fir- thirds quicker. They were more direct. They were hitting Norwood and playing off of him a little bit more. There was less of that at the weekend. Um, Holy, who's really struggling with his kicking at the moment, kind of was, was trying to roll the ball out to, to Zell's feet and they were, you know, almost going back to trying to to pass the ball um, more, um, although it didn't always work, as Andy said. Um, but as Andy says, you can you can hear what he wants. He kept telling Troy Parrott to, to get higher. Parrott kept kind of dropping into those little pockets of space and was racing back and doing good defensive work rate, but the instructions from Cook were to get higher. And uh, he said today in his press conference that some of Parrott's work rate was in was a bit misguided and in the wrong areas. So I think it will be resemble more of a front two under Paul Cook from what we've seen. Um, and also, you know, telling the back four to be... The word he uses a lot is brave, be braver. He once kept telling Toto, get a higher line, you know, be brave. It goes against everything that you know, perhaps is natural to you, but he wants this team to be brave, to play a higher defensive line, um, to get on the front foot. So I think people can be excited about what he's going to try and do, but also there needs to be a realism that it's probably going to take a little bit of time and whether this is all going to come together in 15 games that are going to come pretty thick and fast is probably a big ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, t- it's time that he doesn't have, isn't it? It's between sessions, between games, sorry, he's got one one training session between Saturday and Tuesday matches and then maybe one and a half on a, on a Thursday and a Friday, depending on whether it's a home or an away game. Getting getting any kind of subtle tweaks into this team is going to be really, diff- really difficult between now and the end of this month, certainly, given how just how little time there's going to be on the, on the training ground. Mm. In, t- in terms of positive, we've spoken a lot recently and, and Hook touched on it on, in his press today with you, which we'll come on to in due course, that Town just don't score enough goals and, and weren't creating enough chances. But aside from a, a really nice goal from, from Luke Chambers, they, they did create chances in this game. They Norwood had that one-on-one, which um, went awry. And obviously Troy Parrott hit the post with a, a spectacular overhead kick. So that that's, that is encouraging. Yeah, Jackson hit the bar from a corner as well oh, in the second yeah. half. So... One positive, I guess, has been the set pieces have improved of late. I think Chambers scoring makes it 
five from the last three games. Jackson's hit hit the bar from from a from a corner as well. So it felt like it was going to be one of those days where they hadn't played particularly well, but maybe a set piece had would, had got them something um, before those two goals were conceded. Um, they huffed and puffed, and that that's a phrase that. Paul Cook himself used post-match. Yes, there was those chances, but the Norwood came from a from a deep ball. Um, the Parrot chance came from their one decent passage of play where they kept the ball f- for an, a period of time. But there was never that feeling of a goal's coming here. There's never that sustained period where you feel like they're in charge of a game. And that, that's been a problem all season, to be quite honest. And it's one that Paul Cook, having watched I imagine pretty much all of the games now. Um, he'll have watched them back and analysed them. He seems to know exactly, you know, where where they've gone wrong is is something that they'll they'll be trying to address. So um, he said that there'll be changes tomorrow night. As Andy says, he probably felt like he had to kind of stick with the same team after you've won three straight games. Probably wouldn't have sent the right message to the players, but this has probably given him the green light to uh, to change things a little bit for Lincoln. Mm, we'll come on to that in due course. Can we talk a little bit about Keenan Bennett's boys? What to do with a problem like Keenan Bennett's? Because when I'm sitting on a Saturday, as I do, flicking, refreshing your Twitter pages, um, more often than not, there's quite a lot of Keenan Bennett's content on there. Bennett's getting into good positions and, and then wasting it. And I think he was actually the guy who created the chance for, for Troy Parrott. What what do you make of, of Keenan as a player? Is he the sort of player that is just better to have in a team because he can make things happen? Or uh, what, what do you make of it, Hutchie? I think the final ball and the final product's coming a bit of an issue. Um, he's pos- he's positive on the ball. He's He's got a good touch. He's clearly a very talented football player. Um, mm. But he's one that looks like he's been schooled in an academy, which he has through Tottenham. Clearly clearly did well. Got a, a decent money move to, to Gladbach, where he's played predominantly in there. You've set up where you play a certain brand of football. It's... It, it just with the, with the hustle and bustle of it all, it, when he does get down to some the chance to cross, the cross isn't there. He can hold on to the ball far, far too long as well at times. Um, it's one for me that at this stage of the season, it, it, it's a loan that's not going to lead to anything more. So, uh, if it was me, I'd be looking. I'd I'd be looking at other options. If I'm honest, at, at the moment, he's clearly got a lot of ability, but. The final product, yes, he did put that cross cross in for Troy Parrott, but the final product just consistently hasn't hasn't been there as far as I'm mm. concerned. What are you I'm saying, Stu? Dis- I'm going to disagree with Hutchie for once. I know it's going to shock you because it doesn't happen <laughs> very much, but when he says it looks like he's been schooled by Tottenham and, and Gladbach, the thing that worries me is, is his positional sense off the ball seems to be awry, just judging by his constant coaching from the sidelines and his own teammates, Luke Chambers in particular behind him at right back is constantly telling where, where he needs to be, what he needs to do. Um, I can almost put up with the inconsistencies of the final ball because he's in League One for a reason. If he had the end product to go with the skills and the exciting directness, he wouldn't be playing in League One. But it's the it's the positional sense off the ball, which is more of a concern for me at the moment. And for someone who's been at two big clubs like that, it surprises me that he's still needing to be be told certain things um, at League One level. But um, as Andy says, he, he's not... It, when it comes to loan players, you're, you're rounding off raw edges of, of players um, to improve them for somebody else. So you, you may as well be doing that 
for somebody like Jack Lancaster or one of your own players that you're going to at least reap the benefits of further mm. down the line. Who would you replace him with then? Lancaster would be an option. Who, who would who would you dip out or dip in for him? Hutchie. For me, I think for me, I think the wingers are, are what we'll obviously get onto this a bit more in the Lincoln the Lincoln chat, but. For me, the wingers have been a trouble all season. It's why this Ipswich Town team haven't had the goals in them in them that that Cooks highlighted today. So I'd be looking at changing both flanks potentially for this game. Um, Lancaster is one I, I would consider certainly, um, but I imagine Guion Edwards is probably ahead ahead of him in that in that stake. So if he changes one, I think it will be Edwards. If it, if he changes two, wouldn't surprise me if. If Lancaster one was came came in there as well, but in terms of the positioning side of it, and we do hear his name shouted a lot, particularly Paul Lambert used to do it, um, Luke Chambers as well. I think I think that is a that's a League One thing rather than necessarily. Um, I think he's not maybe doing that what would be expected of a player like him in League One. I think in maybe in the academy football that he's played, he's not going to be asked to do a lot of the things that that he does need to do at this level of football, like line up correctly to defend a throw-in um, and things like that. Um, I just think he's he's just not played anywhere near enough um, competitive adult football and Ipswich are, are giving him his first taste of that in a kind of rough-and-tumble league and it just doesn't... He just hasn't got that side to his game. He just hasn't got it. Um, so for me... So for me, I, I would be I'd be really surprised if he does start tomorrow night. I would I would do. Okay, we'll come on to, to that in due course. Like I say, any other notes from the game, boys? Before we move on, anything else you want to mention about the uh, the game? Too lightweight in the middle of the park. I think we, we've all we all know the qualities that Andre Dizel and Teddy Bishop bring to the party. But in those sort of games, there's always a concern that you end up being a bit bit lightweight for. For League One football, and, and that came to pass. Um, Teddy Bishop has now played a real run of games off the back of another injury setback, so maybe that's caught up with him a, a little bit. Andre Dizel has gone from playing barely any football for a couple of years to, to playing 90 minutes week in, week out, virtually from, from word go. So maybe a sign of fatigue sort of creeping in with, with him there. So it would... Um, it would surprise me if Flynn Downs is, is not back on the scene sooner rather than later because I think Paul Cook's sides tend to have a bit of tenacity in the middle of the park. So um, Flynn would be the obvious solution there. Mm. What was the, the, the Cook-Evans vocal battle like on the sideline? Didn't really happen. Um, Mr Evans and his assistant Paul Rayner were their usual, their usual selves, um, barking at everyone and, and everything. Um, Paul Cook was was a bit more relaxed, wasn't he? Leaning back with with his coffee, tried to tried to get a few words across to his own players, but never really got involved in that that kind of managerial exchange. I think, as he said himself afterwards, um, I didn't. After a manic few days, I didn't really have the energy to to go <laughs> toe to toe with Mr. Evans, and he's he's told him that next time next time they come head to head, he'll be giving a bit back. Outstanding. Look forward to that. They're awful, Sorry. those two. <laughs> they're so they really are I, I the assistant manager's just as bad and he what the poor fourth official and the and the assistant on that side were getting it throughout the for the first 70 minutes of this game and and then Gillingham scored two really good goals and genuinely 
the Gillingham assistant manager celebrated by screaming down the touchline at the assistant referee to just kind of celebrate in his face, almost like looking at him like, yeah, we've done it d- despite you. And it's just, it, it must be exhausting. Stuart Taylor. Yeah, the linesman the, the, was really young as well, wasn't he? Quite yeah. An experienced linesman. And they, yeah, yeah he was. Not, not good behaviour at all. Stuart Taylor was just as, as bad for Ipswich and Paul Lambert. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed those two weren't there because we haven't really had a kind of close-up, quiet, empty ground look at the Steve Evans-Paul Lambert battle that we, uh, we've we talked about so often over the last two years. That would have been, uh, that would have been fascinating. But um, anyway, that, that's, all, that's all in the past. Hopefully we won't be seeing them again for, uh, for quite some time if this yeah. season goes according to plan from here. Indeed. Mo- moving on, Stu, you spoke to, to Mr Cook again this morning. Is this going to be something we're going to get every every Monday as well? Is he going to do pressers pre-midweek games as well? Yeah, it looks like the Monday sort of pre-match press conferences for a midweek game have been reinstated. Paul Lambert obviously uh, tried to avoid doing media at all, all opportunities, so it was kind of decreed that we would we would just stick a few questions about the midweek game tag them on the end of the post-match stuff on a Saturday, which is never ideal because everybody's mind is on the game that's just been played a few minutes earlier. So you never really get too much content looking looking ahead um, on those days. So, yeah, we're going to be speaking to uh, to Paul Cook, well, four times a week um, mm. now for the foreseeable future. So we're going to get to learn a lot about him very quickly. I, f- I assume there's far fewer people than for his inaugural press conference, which the one thing that did wind me up about that, and I know it's the way things work and whatnot, but listing how far down the pecking order we were, you know, um, everyone gets to go first. The guy from Sky, what was he talking about? Positive energy and all that sort of stuff. Bizarre. Um, Don't, whoa, 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 whoa. He's a lovely fella. Is me he? And, me, and, me and JD, have, we've connected to, <laughs> since that press conference. He hosts their NBA coverage, Mark. You should Love like he? him. Yeah, okay. Lo- lovely fellow. I won't have a word said against him and his positive energy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I assume it was it was the old uh, the old faithfuls, was it today, Stu? Yeah, back to back to the usual crowd. Philip Ham from TWTD is uh, is back amongst us, which is nice to see. Yeah. So, um, but yes, just the usual usual local guys that are there uh, week in week out. And in a, a kind of peek behind the curtain sort of time, how is the uh, the blossoming relationship with you and Mr. Cook going? Obviously, two follically challenged gentlemen. I assume you'd have you'd have things in common there. I know with with Lambert originally you can't do this at the moment, but you had little wrestles with him, didn't you? Little uh, little wrestling matches with Lambo. How have you um, sought to ingratiate yourself with Cook that in these feels early like days? A long time ago. That yeah. feels like a very long time ago. Um, no, no, nothing really. So, say today, I just. Uh, just asked him about whether he likes tea or coffee. That, that was it. Um, <laughs> but what, what do you reckon yeah. is actually... I reckon he's a coffee man. He doesn't strike me as... Uh, I reckon he's someone who's probably got 10, 10 coffees on the go a day, that kind of thing. Always sugar. Coffee, not too much milk, but a token effort on that and the sugar is my is my guess. I will say this. He strikes me, and it's probably the first town manager for a while that I could say it about. He strikes me as someone who would be good fun to go for a pint with. Do you know what I mean? Strikes me as someone who knows. I think he really understands, even as a manager who's been in the game a long time and played as well. A lot of us, kind of anyone who's been closely associated with football, and I probably include ourselves in that, forget what what actual sort of fandom and going to games is is like and what it's all about, because um, it becomes a job for everybody. And uh, but Paul seems to have sort of retained 
memory of what that's all about. He spoke about sort of, you know, you go to the game beforehand, you have a pint at the pub, what what teams are you going to pick today? And mm. then you go, you know, just, yeah, he's obviously a guy who's grown up, loves Liverpool, still sort of talks about being, it's twice we've spoken to him and twice he's talked about being a Liverpool fan and watching the games and everything. So I think he's going to... Um, I think he's going to connect with with fans and and sort of understand that side of things that that bit better. Mm. One of the things he said today, Stuart, was that he sees Portsmouth and Accrington as town's biggest competitors in terms of the race to get into the the playoffs. Town still are pretty well placed. Would you agree with that, Hutchie? That that assessment. I think. Well, yes and no. I think um, I think tomorrow night's game with Lincoln will be a big a big marker on that. Um, Obviously, Hull, interestingly, Hull and Peterborough play each other tomorrow night as well, the top two in League One. Um, Town are 12 points off that at the moment. Um, Lincoln are third. Um, the gap's 10. If they win that, it's seven. Ipswich have a game in hand. But they've got a game in hand on Peterborough. They've got three in hand on Hull. I think if they win tomorrow night, the top the top two's there. It, it will take a hell of an effort to get in there, but it is there for them. If they don't win tomorrow night, if they lose... More realistically, I think you are looking at the playoffs. So, you know, I, I see what he's saying. I probably, probably deep down, I do agree with him. Um, mm. But, but just a few days ago, he was talking about aiming for the stars uh, of the top two, and I completely agree with that as well. So, without meaning to heap a crazy amount of pressure on a first home game in charge, I think, I think this match and how the other games in League One go that night. Interestingly, Sunderland and Portsmouth play each other as well. It's a pretty big night in mm. League One. Um, I think we'll know a lot more about where where Ipswich are aiming for come the end mm. of come the end of the evening. But I, I pro- probably deep down I I think I think the playoffs is should be the realistic the bottom end of those playoffs are the realistic target. Mm. Yeah. Such such a shame, isn't it, that fans aren't going to be there tomorrow because it would be bouncing, wouldn't it? Cook's first home home game in charge against the third place side, game that Town need to win. It would be fantastic. That, the fans can't come back soon enough. One thing we're not going to talk about this week, friends, is the the rumored American takeover. Basically, because there's nothing new to say. But the reason I mention it is because it's a segue into Mark's big question. Big question. question. And in the spirit of the takeover, boys, the question which I've brought back this week, we've had lots of weeks of, of kind of pods being all over the shop and and uh, no structure to it per se because there have been lots of exciting things happening. But I wanted to know on the theme of the takeover, what is the one thing or maybe one or two things that you wanted as a kid that you were never allowed? I'm going to start. I really always wanted, and I, I can't remember what it was called. It was... It, you're probably too young to remember this, such a you young whippersnapper, you. But there was, um, it was like a, a slushy maker called Mister Mister Frosty or Mister Slushy or something, where you whack the ice in and then you spun it round to crunch it up and then you put in this horrendous, like bright orange and purple sugar syrup, essentially to colour it. And I was never allowed it because my mum said it was terrible for you and just all sugar and stuff. I wasn't allowed to drink Coke anyway when I was a kid, so I couldn't have sugary drinks. It sent me mental. Especially, I wasn't allowed to watch the A-team and have a fizzy drink because that sent me mad. Um, but that was one of the things I always wanted and never got, boys. So so what about you? Do you know what I've got written down here? <laughs> Is you, it the same? You pre-warned us of this about a minute before we went, before yeah. we started. 
I've got written down a snowman slushy thing on a piece of paper here. <laughs> oh, amazing. What are the chances? Yeah. Um, basically, because as a kid, I would go absolutely mental if I had like coloured food, like with yeah. loads of E numbers in, sm blue smarties, stuff like that. I'd be absolutely climbing off the ceiling. So, yeah, yeah, that, that sort of coloured dye that went food colouring that went into those things was a definite no no. What was it um, called? What was it called? Mr. Frost I or think, something? I think they're Mr. Frosty. I think that's I it. think that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Didn't I guarantee none of you not Huh? <coughs> Who's going Andy, first here? Andy go. I was gonna say I bet you I can guarantee that none of you love slush as much as me. Even well, now. No, you famous love things. a love on a, a slush. On a Friday morning gathering at the old cinema back in the days when we could go to work. Um, you were, you were, we'd get coffee and you grabbed yourself a slushy, didn't you? <laughs> exactly. I, I, w I wish I could sit here and tell you I had one of those, but I didn't, um, sadly. <laughs> what were you cruelly denied by your parents growing up, Hutchie? Sega Mega Drive. What? I didn't, I didn't have any kind of console um, yeah. for a very long time. My cousin, my cousin Richard had one and they live in, they live near Oxford. So my, my only access to that was whenever we went, the, the rare occasions we went to see them and just me and him just went and played on that for hours and hours on end and i always really wanted one but yeah. we never we never had a console or anything Sadly. when did you first After, get involved um i think i think we might i think we got a playstation 1 soon before a playstation 2 came out that's when we that's when we got involved in that game Blimey. Stu, anything else you were denied i imagine growing up in essex if you wanted something you just nicked it didn't you <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore that remark. I, <clears throat> banging on the door for a TV in my own room was a battle yeah. that took me a long time to to win that one. Also, I wasn't allowed to watch like my parents were very strict on watching like 15 rated films before before I'd got anywhere near 15. I remember sort of feeling very uh very put out that I wasn't allowed to go and watch Terminator with with the rest of my mates because I wasn't deemed old enough. Still hold yeah. that against against <laughs> mum now. I was the same. I remember I, when I wasn't feeling very well once. They let me stay up and watch something called Chimera, which was about a uh, it was a, an ITV drama about a, a guy who was half man, half monkey, and it's, it's scared. <laughs> Literally scared the shit out of me. To this day, I'm still terrified and haunted by that. So perhaps my parents knew what they were doing and knew that I couldn't, my tiny mind, my tiny young mind couldn't cope with such horrors. All right, then, boys, um, let's move on from, from silliness and get back onto serious football matters. Lincoln City are the visitors tomorrow. Third place, Lincoln, as we already said. Big game for town, big game for Lincoln as well. Paul Cook, earliest you. So there's going to be someone in the squad tomorrow who wasn't even in the 18 on, uh, on yeah. Saturday. So let's start by playing guess who. Who's it going to be? Um, I said this on Twitter earlier. My pound would be on Luke Matheson, who's not been in the squad for three games, I think, now. Made such a good start, didn't he, against against Blackpool. Was then poor against Northampton. Um, we haven't seen a lot of, if anything, of him since, Andy. I don't think we've seen Nothing. him since that Northampton game, have we? So um, I just think he. we've talked about a lot of the qualities that Paul Cook wants. Uh, fullbacks who play like wingers and I think um Luke Matheson in 
in uh, lieu of Kane Vincent Young being available, who I'm sure Cook will love, uh, Matheson is is a more attack-minded right back. And I would imagine there's no way that Luke Chambers w- will be dropped. He's had a lot of praise from Cook so far. So if that were to happen, I, I would see Chambers moving inside, pro- most likely for for Toto Antiala, which would, would feel a little bit harsh on Toto, who's had a, a really good run in the side, maybe not quite as good at the weekend. But that's where my pound is. But there, there are other options there, isn't there, Andy? Yeah, my pound, my pound's going to go elsewhere, and it's going to go, um, it's going to go on the wing because, like we were talking about earlier, I, uh, if you're talking about why this team haven't been scoring goals and why they've not been creating chances, it's been the connect, the lack of a connect between width and the central strikers for me. So I think we might see. I'm going to put my pound on Jack Lancaster if if we're if we're chucking pounds around willy nilly. Um, if they're coming coming in from outside the 18, Jack didn't make the bench at the weekend. I think he'll freshen up the wide areas, either one wing or maybe even both. Who knows? Um, so I'm going to say Jack Lancaster is going to come in to the side. Is he, is he, is he talking about someone coming in from outside the 18 into the starting lineup, Stu? Is that what well, that, that that wasn't specified, but the, the way he sort of said it would, would suggest that if it's just a case of kind of freshening up the bench. I'm not sure he'd have gone out of his way to, to say that. Mm. Um, I know where your pound should be going, Mark. It's not going to happen, though, is it? I, I know, by the way, boys, that in recent weeks you've both been at pains to say Jordan is just not at it. Um, which is cruel, cruel indeed, because we all know how the season's going to end, uh, and then you regret not not bigging him up. Um, I, I would also say on the subject of Luke Matheson, I bet he would like a Mister Frosty Freeze slushy machine. Fire him up with two of them before a game and watch him run. Boy, oh boy, he might have a little sugar crack <laughs> in the second half though. Just get a bit sad. <laughs> I think all these young academy footballers are going to have missed out on things like like slush. I bet yeah. there's not. I bet I bet there's not much slush going round in the digs that they're living in or all too health conscious aren't they yeah are, are they are they isotonic these uh is isotonic still a good thing to have is that still good i think are I there think electrolytes so. in there i reckon there positive are, electrolytes there are. there's a lot of good sugars in there isn't it yeah um, enough, i think enough, so. enough to fire them up so it, we've talked there about someone who might come in from the cold but in terms of starting lineup boys what, what would you do are you making are you making lots of changes stewie or Keeping it fairly simple. No, no, not not lots of changes, but I think, as I said before, I think Downs will definitely be one that comes in. Alan Judge um, sounds like he's making noises that he wants to get back out onto the onto the football pitch. Some, you know, it's, it's very sad, you know, with his mum hmm. losing her battle with cancer, which he spoke about very openly earlier in the year and how the COVID restrictions has meant he's not been able to see her much over the last year. So our thoughts go out to him, but you just wonder sometimes a lot of athletes say that sometimes just getting back out on and competing is, is the best way to clear their mind and it's their, it's their safe place sort of thing. And I, and I wonder whether Alan will just be pushing to just get out there and play. And, and sometimes that can, that can bring out the best in people because um so we'll see whether he comes straight back into the team um Matheson I've talked about p- potentially coming in so maybe three or four in that sort of region of, of changes not wholesale but enough to freshen up a team that looked quite jaded at the weekend hmm. and what, what are you looking for tomorrow Hutchie some kind of re- response as a team from from Saturday a bit more of a Paul Cook's influence on the side yeah, yeah, that that's it. Rather rather than any kind of response, it's it's more 
more of what what Cook wants. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily a response or whether that's just a progression of of um, being able to give him what he wants. I think new personnel could help that. I'd, I'd agree with you. I think Downs Downs is, if not this game, he'll be, he'll be starting games very soon because he should be everything that Paul Cook likes. And I think. I don't want to bang on about wide areas again, but I think he could, some changes there, freshen them up there, and he could set he could set his tone a little bit more yeah. um, from those positions if he makes the changes um, in those positions. So yeah, just just want to see more of more of what Paul Cook is asking for, which is high lines, lots of energy, be brave, midfielders showing, um, and just players taking the, taking it by the scruff of the neck. That's that's you what know, I want I to see. I wouldn't rule out as well. Jack Jackson starting and maybe us seeing the return to the Norwood Jackson front two because Jackson looked quite lively when he came on off the bench and he's talked about Troy Parrott. He's given him a lot of praise, but there was a little comment this morning about him being 18 and just being mindful of, of what we put on him. Mm. Um, and, you know, maybe Parrott is coming a little bit too deep. You know, maybe he'll just go for the maybe more of an all-out 4-4-2 and we'll see yeah. the Jackson-Norwood partner. You know what? I think, I think you might be right in that. That 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 either needs to happen now or Saturday, I think, because with James Norwood not being able to play in the game at Fleetwood a week a week tomorrow due to I think he's in court that day um, on his on the drink drive charge. You're gonna have to play Troy Parrott up front, I think, in that Norwood role that day. So if you're gonna get if you're gonna get Parrott some some rest, do it while Norwood's still around, and because you, you'll need Troy Parrott to be fresh for for Fleetwood a week today. So that game kicking off at seven forty-five, the Fleetwood game, boys. Really, really still selfish. is, yeah. Really yeah. selfish as far as our uh, our deadlines are concerned. That's not on at all, Fleetwood. So why is it kicking off at seven forty-five? They use the stadium for something else during the day. I don't know. It's functions or COVID vaccines, but um, yeah, they're not COVID they're not vaccines. <laughs> it's not good yeah, enough. I said that was such a disdain, didn't <laughs> I? Oh, all those people getting vaccinated against against COVID. Selfish. Yeah. Absolutely selfish. Um, yeah, that's why. And Gillingham, we had to start at one o'clock on Saturday because uh, basically they don't want to pay out for the floodlights. Is, nice. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to League One. <laughs> what are we expecting from Lincoln, Hutchie? We talked there about town. Um, we know they're in third place. They've got a few injuries as well, haven't they? One of their, I think uh, one of their wingers, Harry Anderson, won't be around tomorrow. Scored five goals this season. Decent player. And they've got a few, other, few others out injured. So what, what are we making of them as a team? Um, yeah, in terms of their injuries, the one... The one that I think people will most uh, notice is that George Grant is is injured. He's got 15 goals for them this season. The the penalty king, uh, most a lot of his goals coming from the spot of which one came against Ipswich. But they they've got a team of young, hungry players. We saw them at the very beginning of their kind of journey together, really, back in o- October, because they all got thrown together as a new look team in the summer. Um, lots of lots of players incoming. Lewis Monsmer, a big. Uh, Big Dutch centre back. We've quite enjoyed watching him. He's attracting attention from elsewhere. But the the two that the two that are a worry to me are the two who more more often than not are playing in the kind of the wide forward roles, which is exactly what Ipswich want from these positions. It's Brennan Johnson, son of David, and then Morgan Rogers um, on loan from Man City um, on the other side. Uh, both really tricky technical players, good on the ball. Uh, Johnson's got eight goals this season. Rogers, I think he's only he's only been here since been there since January and has got four. They more often than not play either side of a 
a bigger, more physical striker, either Tom Hopper or or another loney, Callum Morton, who who's one that I really like. I saw a little bit of him at Northampton in the League Two playoffs last year. Proper kind of socks round the ankles centre forward who um, frees those two up to play. So uh, if it is Matheson who gets a nod there, he's going to have to have a big night against uh, a really good player. If it's Luke Chambers who's who's being played there, he's going to have to have a big night too against um, some tricky some tricky customers because they can play on each side. And that's where I think the, the real Lincoln threat comes. I think Lincoln almost are maybe a bit of a blueprint to how Paul Cook wants Ipswich to play ultimately. He was full of praise for them today. A lot of praise from Michael Appleton about their, their style of play, their patterns of play, how they're a team that do the, the manager and their, their city proud. So, yeah, I think there's a lot in that Lincoln team that Paul Cook likes. Um, Morgan Rogers that Andy's just mentioned, I think Ipswich really missed a trip with him. From what I gather, they were at the front of the queue for him um, back in December time and, and dallied a little bit and he's ended up going to Lincoln and doing really well there. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what, what he does. Can I attempt a prediction out of you boys? Are we going to see the first win, the first official win of Paul Cook's reign, Stewie? Um. I was kind of Andy put a bit of peer pressure on me last last one to say I, heard, that I yeah. couldn't possibly not predict a win when there was some some slight nagging doubts in there. But it didn't no, you say that now. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am saying that now. Um, I think it might be a draw. I just think Ipswich, Paul Cook's trying to change things even subtly, sort of on on the hoof at the moment. He's only been in for a few days, and um, it, it might take a little bit of time. And Lincoln are a, are a decent decent side as well so um I'll, I'll go with a draw 1-1 one, one, I bet you're saying uh yeah 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 I will say 1-1 <laughs> one, one. is that all right oh, yeah why not statistically speaking that's the most likely result Hutchie what are you saying Ipswich managers have really good records in in terms of their first home game in charge if the only one that's I think the, the only one that's lost in the 21st century is Jim Magilton George Burley won George uh Joe Royal won Jim Magilton lost. And then there were wins for, for Keane, Jewel, Mick, and then draws for Hurston, Hurston Lambert. I, I think they might win this game. I think they're gonna they're either gonna win two one or it's gonna be a four four mega draw because yes. no, I, I don't think it's gonna be a four four mega draw. No, I think I think they might edge this game two one. Lincoln have been very consistent all season, but as of late, they've been a little bit patchy. Um, they did win 3-0 at the weekend, but they've been a little patchy of late. Um, so, no, I'm going I'm to go for a 2-1 uh, cook-off, Paul Cook victory. Get in. Any other business, boys, before we take our leave and uh, prepare for the evening? Uh, no other business. Oh, Stu, no. before we go, I've got to ask you, I mean, schools went back today. Has it been like heaven at the uh, at Watson Towers today? Uh, it, it has felt... Rather quiet in the house, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. It's been nice. It'd be nice to get a bit of structure and normality back. You might. You might get a slightly uh, fresher, better employee in the in the weeks ahead. <laughs> Superb. I do just want to mention before we go, there was a lot of content last week put out um, by your good selves on this channel. So go back and listen to it if you've not, because I think it is worth listening to, even though they've played the first game. Paul Cook's first press conference, really uplifting listen. And then the boys, the boys pod as well, um, talking about 
Cook and about the potential US takeover and Mark Seven statement. Again, that was a, that was a good listen. Very in depth analysis. Go back and listen to that. And also, obviously, the game day extra time posse and the return of Ross Meats uh, on Sunday. It's going to be every couple of weeks on a Sunday. Starts off with Luke Hyam, who's just recently. Uh, announced his retirement from the game uh, and talks about that with Ross on that podcast. So go back and, and listen to that. Um, leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you can. If you enjoy what we do, hit subscribe as well. Uh, tell your mates about us and, and hit follow on all the social medias, Kings of Anger, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That's enough from us. It's been a shorty on Monday. Roscoe, I should mention, on a short-term loan at Furlough FC today. That's why he's not here. He'll be back later on this week, hopefully, when we sit down and talk about the first win of the Paul Kakira. Have a fine start to the week, everyone. Enjoy the game tomorrow. And we shall convene again later this week. From true crime to football, Brexit to Pokeville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Mr. Frosty, by the way.